Lord, we worship you. We honor you for who you are. And we praise you, God. God, even during the preaching, I thank you, Father, that you can touch people. God, I thank you that the word and the glory were never separated in your mind. Thank you, Father. We have that example in the ark. We had what was written put inside the ark of the presence. Where the, and there was a mercy seat and the glory of God would manifest over the top of that mercy seat. And it was it, and it's a sign that as the people of God, we are people of the presence of God who were destined to worship God in his glorious presence. And we're going to read a, um, I'm going to read the entire Psalm 24 this morning, and then we're going to focus on three, three and four. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means everything in it. The world and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas and established it upon the rivers, the waters. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Okay, here's the key. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? And who can stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands. Somebody say clean hands. Pure heart. Say pure heart. And who has not lifted up his soul to what is false. Or your Bible might say who has not lifted up his soul or hers to an idol. All right. And does not swear deceitfully. He, God... Or he, no, sorry, he, the one who does those things, will will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Isn't that amazing? Just side note there. Isn't that amazing? Blessing is something you receive. You can't, you can't earn it. You can't add it to yourself. It must be given to you. Here's the other part of that verse. Righteousness must be given. Righteousness is a gift that God gives to you and I. No. Yeah, the thing about self-righteousness is it's not really righteous. (laughs) It's just righteous to yourself. (laughs) Which is deceit. Okay, moving on. Um, Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, Uh, Of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. He is the King of glory. Amen. Verse 4, or no, verse 3. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? And who can stand in the holy place? The one who has clean hands, a pure heart, who has not lifted up their soul to an idol. And then there's things you receive. This is the kingdom. We are invited to live God's way. 
what I want to talk about today. I'm going to make the point now. Because I feel, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now a little bit. Oh, um, what I'm going to talk to you about today is that you and I are created by God. And that we are perfectly created for the purpose that he has created us for. That purpose, ultimately, is to rule and reign with Christ throughout eternity, at the end of it all. But our identity as created beings is that we are first worshipers. Worshippers. Worshippers. Those, those who will sit on the throne as the bride of Christ for eternity are those who are worshipers. And I know that we all have different gifts, right? We all have different gifts, right? Different talents, different strengths that come to bear in this life, and they are useful in this life. And thank God that there's a diversity of gifts, even spiritual gifts, right? We read all those things, all all the spiritual gifts, right? But there's coming a time, and I think this is really important for us to realize, there's coming a time when all those gifts will be retired. They're important today, so we don't want to diminish them today. We, we, we need to stir up the gifts in this life. But my point today is that there is coming a time when those things will cease. Even prophecy will cease. And so, whatever I live for today, like you may be an evangelist, but, but realize that someday you're going to live in a place where no one needs to be evangelized. You may have the gift of teacher, but someday you're going to live in a place that no one needs you to teach them. Now, because of because of that God is who he is, I just dream sometimes about what our purpose will look like in heaven. Like what I'm sure I know we're going to have stuff to do. But I think the main thing that in what we can see biblically that we will have to do is worship. And this is amazing how God confirms everything, you know. But Dave, 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 some of the scriptures that were just rolling around in my spirit when thinking about this morning and Dave gets up and closes worship with them. I was thinking about Isaiah, just to paint the picture, I was thinking about Isaiah 6 and, and how there's these beings, these angels, these six-winged beings that are created to live in the throne room of God. They're created for worship. And even they, they had to be equipped with a couple extra sets of wings just so they could cover their feet and their eyes. So they could worship continually, you know, because the elders, they keep looking and then they just fall on their faces. So these angels, boy, so that they can continue to worship, they, they, God's like, I'm going to give you extra wings. So you can just cover your eyes while you fly around and just worship. Holy, holy. But I was thinking about there's something there, isn't it? That, that wings represent covering in the scripture. 
and that every every one of us is created to live under covering. And it is under God's, God's covering that this righteousness and this blessing and everything that God has for us, all the goodness of God, comes to bear in our life, flows to us and through us. It's all through the Scripture, this whole idea that, you know, He's the vine, we're the branches. In other words, everything going right, like every... Like, all the blessing of God and the things that will flow in and through my life all depend on one thing, my connection to Him in surrendered worship. And worship is more than songs. The team did an amazing job leading us this morning. Thank you for coming up, braving the snowy mountain. But worship is a life. We're created as worshipers. You and I are created to behold God in His presence and glory and respond in worship. So, so even though there is a diversity of gifts and, and we, we all play different parts, what we have to understand is that our main, what we mainly do in this life is that we are training for reigning. We are, we are, what we're doing with this life prepares us for the age to come. And in the age to come, we're worshipers, which means in this life, we are first worshipers. Our first ministry is to the Lord. The first commandment you know, we focus on other commandments. You know, the first commandment is to love God. The first and foremost commandment is that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. And then we're equipped to love our neighbor. All right. Before... I want to talk about how this comes to bear, how heaven touches earth in this area of our life. But first, let's look into this scripture, okay? Verse verse uh, 3. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord, stand in the holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? These are practical points, really practical. But, you know, clean hands means, what does that have to do with? That's what I do. It's the things I do. A life of worship includes the things I do. It means that clean hands means what I do with my hands and basically what I do in my life honors God. You know, I think that this part, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, and, and um, but... But I've got to make this point since we're looking at this verse. I believe that for some people, the message of grace has actually, for some reason, diminished the importance of living out a life that pleases God. And that some people have come to believe that because God loves me unconditionally, that him being pleased with me is also unconditional. And that's actually not true. You know, God can, God always loves me, but he can also be displeased. 
No, just stay with me now. Like, it doesn't mean that he loves me less in that moment. It just means he's not, he, it is possible. But because this is actually good news. Uh, this is not heavy news. This is good news because understand this. Do you know why? That's the downside. That's the fallen side of why God actually designed it this way. Because God didn't design it so that we'd have a capacity to displease him. He's designed us with the capacity to, bl- to bring him pleasure. This is a part of worship. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, but I can't bring God pleasure by what I do. I'm not earning love. I'm not earning identity. It doesn't make me more important to God. It doesn't make me more loved. It doesn't make me more righteous as far as the blood of Jesus. However, what I do with the clean slate that he's given me is my ability to bring pleasure to my father when he sees me in the inner place of my heart and the outworkings of my life, the way I live my life, that I have the ability for God to look over me and go, smells like my son. Oh, I love the smell of my son. That's what it says. We're like the fragrance of Christ to him in every place. Isn't that amazing? How many have kids in this room? Don't you love the way, I mean, maybe not always, but most of the time, the way they smell? How many are head sniffers in here? I am. I'm going to admit that. I'm a head sniffer. I, you know... I love, and I'm like, what is that? And no one ever taught me that. No one ever, it's just like, you get, you get your can and, you, and you're like, ah, oh. like, what is that? Like, I can't explain it, but there was, there was something about the smell of my own kids. Ah, oh, smells like my kid. All right. Clean ants. That I have the ability to take the to take what He has given me, the grace that He puts on my life, and please Him with what I do. Okay, Amen. Hands. That's enough of that. What we do. A pure heart. A pure heart. This is amazing. A pure heart means. It means. The intentions of my heart. Why I do what I do. Do you know, you can do the wrong thing with the right heart. And God's, and and God, he's such a father. He goes, I saw what you were doing there. I saw what you were doing there. And he'll teach me, you know. Try it this way next time. You ever have the Lord do that? He tunes you up a little bit. It's so kind. It's so love. I love the way he does it. He does it to me all the time. Even just with interactions, just everyday stuff. You know, I just want to learn from God. And I want to honor him. This is about having a pure heart, about having a heart toward God. And he does it all the time. You know, he'll reflect. You reflect on your day with the Lord. And he goes, next time, you know, do this. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Ah, oh, so good. I don't feel condemned. I don't feel like I failed. I just feel like I'm growing. And if I fell short, Lord, forgive me. Yeah, I could do that better.
But a heart toward God, a pure heart, has to do with the intentions. And here's the thing. God sees it, and no one else does. And I believe that as we walk with people, we really can get to understand their hearts. We can get to understand where people are coming from. And, 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 a, and a, you know, a track record. You, you, you live with people, and I, I hope that we give people upfront credit, Right? I like to start with credit, right? We give people credit. Not that standoff thing like, well, you prove yourself, and then maybe I'll see if you're good enough for me. You know, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, we want to give people credit up front. But you know what credit is? Credit is the, it gives you the capacity to make good. And when you live, when, when you have this pure heart towards God, it is a pure worship. That comes from your life. It means that the driving motive of my life is that my life would overall honor you. And that what I do, I do toward you. Amen? And this is what counts. This is where worship really comes from. And who has not lifted up their soul to what is false, to an idol. All right. Let's look at this. You have been given, you and I, we have been given a soul. It's actually what enables us to be worshipers. A worshiper must have a soul. A soul is for something. Souls are for lifting. This is what you see here. Listen, your soul will be lifted to something in your life. Something, someone. What is the soul? The soul is your mind. It's your will. And it's your emotions. I was thinking about how God, in his desire to reconnect with the human race after the fall, chose a people. You know, this whole idea that we are first worshipers actually is played out even historically when you look at the way God has courted mankind. Because first he chose a people and he manifested himself to those people. Right? Through Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and, you know, and he gives them the law. And then the Hebrew people have this revelation of God that doesn't actually include the rest of the world. For thousands of years, there's a people on the earth that God has chosen. Why? Because God didn't care about everybody else? No, he, he loves humanity, but he had to start somewhere. And he had a garden that he started with. And then there were choices made, and he said, i got to get the garden back. And so he chooses a people to manifest himself through. And I'm thinking, you know, when God makes a choice, it's never random. And God chooses a Hebrew people. They're an interesting people. God calls them a stiff-necked people. Right? I mean, side note, I think 
any people God would have chosen, he probably would have said that. Because that was the whole problem with mankind. The stiff neck, apart from God, that whole problem. And then, so we're not picking on the Hebrews. However, we do, it, it is a point that God made. And so I believe that God chose those people to manifest his long-suffering, his kindness, his mercy. He said, oh, I'll choose a stubborn people and I'll show them how kind I am. And through that, I'll show the whole world who I am. But there are other aspects and strengths of the Hebrew culture that I believe were instrumental in God choosing them. And and one of them is this whole idea of soul is so manifest in the Hebrew culture. The will, the intellect, and the emotions. You ever read the scripture? They're like not stoic people. Something happens, they're like, they're ripping their clothes and throwing ashes on their head and wailing outside. And I mean, they were dramatic, emotional, expressive people. And I believe that God chose an expressive people to give us an example that God loves expression. God loves expression. You know, a gift isn't a gift until it's given. Now, I can have worship in my heart, and there, that, is, that is worship. God looks on it. He delights in it. But there's something more when I express that worship out loud toward God. That's when the gift is given and the exchange is made. And so... We may enjoy different parts of life, but I'm just telling you, like worshipers, that's what we're going to be doing for eternity. And that's why we get to get good at it right now. When I was, um, when I first surrendered to the Lord at, at 20 years old, oh, you know, the Bible says he's forgiven much, loves much. And I can relate to that. I felt like I'd been forgiven so much. I Anyone can relate to that? I, you know, I, I was with a lot of people that you would say they are much worse than you, Brandon. But, 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 I, would, but I, would, I always felt, but the thing is, is they didn't know any better. And I did. So I always felt like my sins were worse. Because <laughs> I knew better, you know. Like, I knew, I knew God. I never doubted his reality. Like, I never, I always knew he was, you know, merciful and kind. And I knew Jesus was real. And I'd experienced God as a young person. And I knew those things. And I still turned my back on him as a young person. I chose it. I remember choosing it. I'd let bitterness get in. and These are just actually tears of gratitude and worship, you know. I, and I just, I, I always thought, man, God, like... It was worse, I think, because I knew better, you know. And, uh, and, and so I had this heart in me to express my gratitude towards God. We just had Thanksgiving. I was thinking about how gratitude and worship go together, you know. Humility, gratitude, being thankful. You ever notice when you lose your thankfulness, your expression of worship diminishes? You ever notice that? You never lost it, Brian. Well, you're our example. You know, you never grumbled. You know, and and uh, 
And uh, it's okay. I believe that. But but uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I have. So, um, you know, but I just noticed it doesn't work out very well. And, um, and uh, oh, my gosh, one time I'm going to tell on myself right now. I just want to tell you this. It's a vulnerable story. I'm kind of embarrassed of it. Not really. A little bit. A little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, we had this vehicle, and it was giving us tr- trouble. And, oh, man, I was I was so frustrated. Like, I was doing good. And it, were, and it was just like all kinds of other things were happening. And, um, like, just different pressures, things like that. We're driving around. And this vehicle, like, starts giving us problems. And I get so frustrated. I just start, I just start telling the Lord about it. Oh, see, I'm just, I was so, this, I'll just be honest. This doesn't happen much. This is kind of rare. But I totally, I totally did lose my cool. I was not looking good in that moment. I was so mad, so frustrated at the situation. And I just started to complain with anger. And you know what happened? I'm not kidding you. It was the most humiliating thing. 30 seconds into that rant, my car goes, poof, a hose bursts. It overheats. It shuts down. And I was just like, oh. You know, what do you think? Did God, like, disconnect my hose to teach me a lesson? No. But what I do believe is that the one who lives with worship and gratitude in their heart, receives blessing from the Lord. And, and, and I'll tell you that it's possible to step out from underneath that covering of blessing. Worship is the, is the expression of submission to God that, that, that keeps us under the covering that God has for us as his children. And I realized in that moment, ooh, now, God, you know, it doesn't always happen that immediately, but it did happen that day. And I knew I was humbled in that moment. Like, oh, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. You ever, you know what I'm saying? It's like that feeling when you see the lights behind you. You just get humble quick. You get so humble. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Hopefully you get. Anyway. Worship involves humility gratitude, and ultimately amounts to surrender. And I was describing that, those, that when I was 20 years old, and I had this heart. I just wanted to express to God. I wanted to, and, and it came out of my heart one day, and I said, God, give me an instrument that I could worship you with. I didn't play any instruments. I played violin for a few months in fourth grade. And um, I learned Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. My family, they endured to the end. There's not many sounds like someone learning to play violin. <laughs> Guitar's not as bad. Okay. All right. All right. But here's, here's the point. When we worship, everything in our life comes into alignment. It's all through the scripture 
abide in the vine, seek first the kingdom, love God first. It's all about me surrendered to him. And when things get cloudy or frustrating in your life, the quickest way to clear it up is to worship. And oftentimes it's the thing that you don't feel like doing when you're really frustrated. But what I've learned is that it's really just one step in. If you'll, if you'll just go, it's like, whoa, that wasn't so hard and I feel so better now. I feel so much better now. And the reason that it brings clarity to your life is because God is enthroned in praise and worship. Because, because who and what I worship is what is going to rule in my life. And there's only one king of peace. If you need peace in your life, what you need is worship. When you find, I'm telling you, there is a peace that comes when you find surrender. When I'm lacking peace, you know what I know? There's something inside that needs to be laid down at his feet. Or just brought to him. It's not even a bad thing. Like, like you, you're like, ah, you know, just come, when you just come before him, you know what it is? It's yourself. It's not even about the thing. It's just yourself. And the reason it works is because his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. So the power, this is the point, the power that you and I have as worshipers is to put him first, to exalt him as king. And when we do that, his rule of peace comes to bear first in our life, in our home, in our workplace, and pretty soon in the community that we live in. Worship is our key to seeing the kingdom established. You know, when you, when you worship God in a tough situation, it doesn't mean you have to say, thank you for the broken down car. It means, you know, you know I mean, who's thankful for, I'm not, who's thankful for, for a broken down car? I think we take it one step too far sometimes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the Lord didn't say, worship me Yeah, thank me for all things. No, praise me in all things. You know, thank you for the broken car. Well, I didn't break your car. I want to give you a better one. I want to to bless you. But when I praise him in the midst of it, here's what happens. It exalts his lordship and and his, his rule. The king is then exalted over the situation. And now he's ruling and reigning in that situation in my life. And then it's off my plate. And I go, that's right. I'm yours anyway. I surrender. So God has created you and I with the ability to point ourselves and all our faculties towards him in worship. Isn't that amazing? He's given you and I the ability. In Christ, we're free. I'm closing. In Christ, we're free to do this. Do you understand that it is the freedom that Christ gave that enables us to live this way? That's an important point. Remember, this, this can be unpacked later, but remember the children of Israel had to be set free so they could worship. Do you ever make that point? 
let my people go so they can worship me. Because true worship can't really happen in bondage. But you and I are the people of God. We're set free. So, so now we live as these free moral agents, as Charles Finney said. We've been given back the authority and the ability in our lives to aim all of our will, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our faculties, our emotions, our affections towards him. And our affections grow for, the, for those things and the ones that we set or him ultimately is who it's designed for. That when we set our mind, our focus on him, oh, that affection grows and then worship is born and the kingdom comes in that place in your life. And I just feel the heart of God for us. Would you stand? Please. Let's stand up together. Let's receive together. (laughs) You know, you get it. I think you get it. And what I want to pray for today, this morning, I just want to pray for us, that You know, anybody ever feel stuck before, just for a minute at least? But you know, the answer to that is grace. And we think it's try harder. But I notice the harder I try, the more frustrated I get sometimes. You know why? Because he's the answer. If I had the answer, I wouldn't be stuck. I know the answer. I know who it is. I know who has it. And I just want to pray right now that a grace, the grace of God, it's so rich toward us. What areas of life do you want to see a breakthrough? I'm just telling you, I see a grace coming on us. I prayed for that guitar, and within like a week or two, I was given one. Actually, I went over to a friend's house, and he puts one in my lap, and he goes, Here, brother, do a G chord, Nick Mariganis, my good friend. And, uh... And he goes, he was such an encourager, you know. He goes, you got to know, you don't know him. This is how he talks. He's like, brother, that guitar looks good on you. You look good, brother. Just strum that G chord. And he's playing a song we're worshiping. And I'm just like, with my one chord, you know. Brother, you're a natural. Don't you love encouragers? Next thing you know, I was given my own guitar within like a week or two. And I learned a couple more chords. And I found the sweetest place. And what I found is, like, when I break out that guitar and just get alone with God, that's a sweet place. And I find that my best praying comes, it's birth through worship. Sometimes we come in and we just go to work and prayer. But I tell you, I find it so much better when I can just run to Papa, worship Jesus. And then you kind of break into that place and you go, oh, and then the prayer flows. And it's a prayer of faith and power and it shifts atmospheres. So let's just just lift your hands up and pray. Father, we thank you. I'm not going to. I just thank you, God, that the word has gone forth. It has taken root. It is producing fruit. We are a community of worshipers. And when we worship as a corporate We worship individually, but when we come together like this and we worship corporately, shockwaves go throughout the spirit realm. And it proclaims to this county that Jesus Christ is Lord. It shifts the atmosphere. You've got to understand, we're not just singing songs for warm-up for the preach. 
it's, it's kind of, you know, worship is kind of the main event in many ways. Like, it's what we get to do for God. And, and so, Father, I just thank you that, Lord, as we worship together, we are shifting the atmosphere. I pray that a fragrant oil, uh, an anointing oil of worship, a fresh grace would fall on each of us to worship and see your kingdom come in Trinity County and in our own lives and families as we worship you, as we lift you up, Here's the closing statement someone said to me recently. The one thing God can't do for himself is worship. And he said, if you, when we do for him what he cannot do for himself, understand God doesn't lack, but he created worshipers. Then God does everything for you that you cannot do. So our job is to exalt him, and his, and his place is to reign. Lord, we love you. Have your way. Amen. Amen.